Hello and welcome to World War II Nation podcast with myself, Lawrence Waller, and my colleague, Ross Corbett. In this episode, the first of our veteran archive interviews, we speak with Bill Betts about his experience as a radio operator in an M4 Sherman tank during the Second World War. Bill joined the army aged 19 in 1941 and fought with the Essex Yeoman Regiment as part of B Troop. The regiment landed on D-Day in the Jig Green sector of Gold Beach near Le Hamel and fought its way with the rest of the British 8th Armour Brigade through France, Belgium, Holland and into Germany before eventually being demobbed in 1946. Due to the length of the interview, it will be published on the podcast in two parts. Both podcasts flow exactly in the same order of the conversation I had with Bill last month rather than being re-edited and rearranged in chronological order. What follows in part one, we discuss Bill joining the army, the training he underwent, joining the Essex Yeoman Regiment, landing on Gold Beach, a few close encounters with a tiger tank, R&R in Brussels and much, much more. I received a, a, a label, not, not serious, so I, I was... Um, not doing too much on D-Day, except I, I was a wireless operator, and it was my captain, myself, were with the Devons, who were the assault battalion. So my regiment, the Essex Yeomanry, um, consisted of self-propelled 25-pounders, 24 of them. And my job as my captain was to direct the fire of the 25-pounders, which came off the big boats, about uh, four miles outside. I, meanwhile, just landed. So first opening round, you know, about four miles, they fell a bit bit short. So my job to correct them. Of course, the Germans seeing this chap with a bit small radio on his back obviously was a good target. <laughs> so I said to Captain Cully, I said, um, I've been hit. I said, where, where, where? I said, well, I've got a big hole in that trousers there, as you can see. Oh, yeah. He said, oh, give me the radio. I'll push on. you catch us, catch up. But I couldn't walk. I sat down and dug myself a little hole. And an infantry chap just behind me landed. He put his hand up and said, you all right? And I said, yes. And he fell over. He was killed by a sniper. He fell on top of me, in fact. So I thought, well, I'm next, I suppose. So I'm going to lay perfectly still. No, you know, not not given an opportunity to have another go. But when I got to hospital, there was a hole there. But lying down, well, it had gone through that way. But I joined up the regiment later on. I know. I was five weeks here. Stayed with the regiment right through. We were the first to cross the Rhine. We got across in our swimming Sherman, 28 tons, and all the sides, you know, got across all right. Let, let it down. I said to uh, the rest of the crew, fairly quiet, isn't it? All of a sudden, whoops, mortars were landing all around us. And we were standing outside the tank, you know. So I laid down. When it stopped, I got up. And the captain wasn't moving. And he got mortar shells in his back. So that precise moment, the infantry were landing in these ducks. So I got one chaps who was carrying the stretcher. Come over and put the captain on the stretcher. 
that was it, poor chap. It is, he survived, but um, it was nasty wounds. So I had to report that um, my son Ray was down. I was on my own for a week with the infantry, giving them, giving them covering fire. When did you actually join the army, and why was it the um, the Essex Yeoman Regiment? Yes, um, the, 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 uh, 1941. When you reach the age of 19, you had to register. So uh, I was 18 in 1940. I lived at home. Then the notification, would you please sign up for medical? And uh, you were in. You Then uh, I had a, a, a letter saying, please uh, report to real in North Wales. On a December day, fourth December, cold. So off I went. It was a, a signals regiment, uh, basically training you to be a very good wireless operator. And they were mostly chaps of my type. You know, great. We had great fun. And uh, thirty-six squad. Then one day, this horrible sergeant major. He, he used to call us, "You horrible young men." Report to the company office. What have I done? And uh, that was late December. Said um, your father's been in touch with the war office, and uh, your sister's desperately ill. You're being given seven days compassionate leave. I thought, oh, I knew she wasn't well when I left, and she she died. I got there. I got there. there. So I I did six months training, and I passed out. I was um, quite good at Morse code and things like that. Then the postings came through. Ten of us were sent to Norfolk to join the Essex Yeomanry, a territorial regiment, a very snooty regiment. Now, this was in 1942, height of the war. We could be invaded any moment. There was me, 19. I was totally spoiled at home, and uh, I didn't like the cooking very much. Like ATS, it was awful. Anyway, when I, when I arrived, the other nine chaps, we arrived on a Saturday up in Thursk in Norfolk. Ah, Saturday, says the, the Major. It's difficult. Uh, the, the, the hounds are going out, out this afternoon. Um, would you like to join us? Height of in, 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 possible invasion of hounds. He says, we've got our own, own hounds, you know. I thought, well, we'll do what the Major said. So the nine of us were chasing the hounds around the North Broad that way, you know. And I thought, I said, very nice chap, one of the chap with me was a student from one of the universities. He said, it's funny old war, isn't it, Bill? And I said, it is rather, you know, there all sorts of things going on, and we're, we're worried about some bloody dogs. <laughs> anyway, it was a great regiment, first class, and very, very friendly. I, they didn't take to me, first of all, of course, I was a Londoner, and Essex Germany consisted of Chelmsford, Colchester, and the, the other one. As I didn't come to one of those three, I was an outsider. <laughs> the officers were very frightfully, frightfully, and the the war was a bit of a nuisance, really. <laughs> but we worked very hard for two years, and then we realised we were special duties for D-Day. So we were quite up to it when the time came, you know. Yeah. What sort of training did they have you doing, and what did it consist of? Well, um, our regiment was the Army, and they had uh, 25-pounders on tank chassis. I was with, with B Troop, B9, 
or went to various troops. And we had to be really, really good at what we were doing. There were all sorts of things you had to know. We were extremely good at what, what we did. I think the average chap from the Essex Armory were a little bit above the knowledge, you know. We do things on our own bet, and uh, I found my experience with them, in a way, quite interesting. But um, I was with them for six years. Got my dim in 1946. I was very pleased to be home, believe me, you know. I was very, very lucky. I was wounded twice, and I really felt that uh, my luck wasn't going to last that long. It did. So what was your role with, with the regiment then? Were you, you said you were a radio operator. Yeah. Um, what sort of equipment were you using and what sort of training did you have with that? The 19 was the ones which you had in the tank. They were fitted in the tank. And the 18 was the ones you could carry on the back. I, I enjoyed it in a way, but um, I because I did the job properly, I was always involved in the most hazardous work going, you know. We had a Sherman, and I was always with the supporting infantry. I was always about two or three miles away from regiments, but I was able to call them up whenever I wanted it. And the biggest call-up I, I did once, uh, there was about 90, 90 German tanks assembling in, in an area. My captain said, Billy, said, that reference, I, yes, I've got the map reference where, where they are. He said, um, I'm being told by the Brigadier that we've got to bring down five rounds per gun, and so the official procedure. So what I did on the radio, I just said three, three words, oh, Victor, Victor, Victor. The whole network in the brigade or the division stopped. That meant someone's got urgent. And I had map reference and I gave it in clear, five rounds, please report. And that brought up 120 artillery guns at one go. And uh, I was telling them what to do. So those 120 guns went onto that map reference I gave them, and they landed right on top of the German, German tanks. It broke up. They were going to put in an attack. And I'm quite proud about that. Not many people had, had the opportunity to pull up that target. So all my training was put to good use on that day. I think there were times when we were very lucky, and one day we got caught up with the infantry, and in the distance, two Churchill flame, uh, flamethrower tanks appeared. All of a sudden, they went up into smoke. It went bang. And on my fuel glasses, I could see a, a Tiger tank. A Tiger tank weighed 90 tons compared to our 28 tons. Huge. But that wide, the tracks on a, on our Sherman, ours was about that wide. <laughs> and this, I, mean, I could see it in the distance, a huge, huge 105 millimeter gun was slowly turning, could only work by hand, pointing to us. I could see it from the distance. I, I said, let's get out of here quick. Put it into um, our trooper Ely, put her in reverse and zigzag, which we did, got to a house, got behind the house. And he let off a few rounds of Tiger. Boy, were they big rounds, it went by, just by whoosh. But if they hit, hit a Sherman, it completely blew it up. You know, all, all five of you gone. That's a vicious tank. So whenever there was a tiger, we knew that there was a tiger tank around. Well, not many of them, but not very nice. And that was a close one, very close one. And another day, we're going along the road. All of a sudden, 
there was a tremendous gush of air and crack. I had my head out of the turret and um, a tank down the road, smaller German tank, the Panther, as seen as let off a few rounds. It was about that much above my head. And I said, get into the into a ditch quick, get into the ditch. So it gave us, he was shooting straight down the road. If we stayed on that, he would have blown us up. So I had many, many occasions when I got away with it. I, I counted five of them and I thought eight must be the limit. <laughs> and there, and uh, another time we would first troops to enter Germany. And uh, I don't know if your history, the Anne of Cleves, we were told that we we're going to attack Cleves, quite a big town. So we put in the tank in the main road. The German tank knocked out the leading tank of ours and the one at the back. So we couldn't go forward, we couldn't go back. We were, we were cornered, just couldn't move. But if there was an excuse making a cup of tea, but we had no no tea on, no no water on that occasion. I said, that house there, I think they've got a well. I'll go into that. So I find water. I got to the well, poured up some water. Next garden but one, there's a German. <laughs> I dropped the water and ran back to my tank. I said, two doors along, there's, there's some Germans there, <laughs> crikey. Some infantry were standing by my tank. I said, we're going to dig them out. And they did. About nine Germans came up with their hands up, you know. I suddenly seen that shot. I thought, I've had it, you know. But he was ferreting around like me, and uh, a bit scary. So I was very lucky in many ways. The tanks you were using, were they still the Sexton 25-pounders? Yeah. So, oh, okay, so it wasn't uh, M4, M4 Sherman? The troop leaders, mm-hmm. troop commanders, had Shermans. And so um, we were often supported... Our friends, as we called them, Nottinghamshire, Nottinghamshire Yeomanry, known as the Sherwood Rangers, the finest tank regiment that come all through the desert. So we used to work with them. If we were giving instructions to our chaps to fire onto uh, German infantry, we were sometimes asked by the Sherwood Rangers to put covering fire down on certain tanks. Though we didn't blow them up, but we, we could uh, knock off their tracks we can make them immobile. So we did that. And as a result of that, Sherwood Rangers gave us two silver models. So we used to put it on our dinner table. Very fine regiment. They used to suffer quite heavily, unfortunately. In terms of obviously when you're operating on the net, so you were, you were a troop commander then, I take it. You were part of the troop commander's tank. Troop, yeah, I was, his, I was his ADC. So you were at the forefront of... Yeah, I was, right. I, I was, a, tank, I was a tank commander for when he was killed. Not, well, when he was partially killed. He looked as if he wasn't going to make it, but he did make it. So then going back to that, what, what was it actually like to operate inside a Sherman? I guess it was quite tight confines. There was a crew of five, but what were conditions like inside the tank? Very cold, noisy, cramped, and restricted for view, really. If the was had his head out on top, that was okay. But if you're inside, you're looking through the periscope all the time. You were listening to the radio. We also had the radio at two radios, one with regiment, the other one with, with the regiment we were supporting. So if, for instance, the Hampshires were putting in an attack, our, our second radio would be tuned in to him and I would listen. And if they needed help, you know, there was uh, a company going in and meeting lots of Germans, then probably the, the major in charge of that little attack would give me a map reference and I could call up uh, up to 24 guns, depending on how many 
people involved. If it's just, say, about 200 Germans, I think, well, a, a course of regimental fire, five rounds, five times 24, there's a lot of rounds landing. So we had a very good reputation with the infantry. They always knew that when they were putting in an attack and they were pinned down and not much they could do about it and ring us, the wise, give me some map reference, put in five rounds, five rounds times 24. And then they'd say, wonderful, upper bits, would you? Have 50 yards, yep, okay. So we, we you know, did a lot of, lot of good work. We were always shaken by the hand for all the help we did. Sometimes we'd give the insured rangers a hand. If they got caught up and really were having a rough time, we'd, we'd you know, put a few shells around the enemy to help them. But in the 25 pounders, were not all that big shells, big enough. We helped them a lot. Uh, were there any tricks of the trade you sort of learned, either being taught or shown it, or just generally from, you know, your experience there? It made it just made life a little bit easier operating in the tank operating the radios that sort of thing tricks of the trade like that yes um we knew what what was the grand scheme was it was interesting to hear over the air all the time this chatter 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 you know we for instance when we pulled out of out of the line and going to a risk area we were still on the air of course the the chaps like me young tigers used to have great fun in chatting away. And to give you a very good example, I was, what, 21. Montgomery decided that from each battalion regiment, after we'd taken over Brussels, that they should have, each member of the regiment should have three days leave in Brussels. So my captain said, Bill, we've been told by the colonel, it's our turn, that the three of us are going to Brussels. Oh, okay, fine. We were up in Holland then. We go, ended up just outside Brussels, a brewery. And the famous Belgian beer, you know, nice, nice clean sheets, nice bed, three days off. Bon Marche, the store was open. I went in and I bought some perfume for my sisters because we were allowed to send little presents home. I bought some uh, Chanel Number no. 5, my favourite sister. And I got into the, into the truck and I, I stumbled. I had in my blouse my little package of Chanel Number no. 5. It broke. Got beautiful, beautiful perfume. <laughs> And I said, oh, Christ. I said, no, I, that's all you've got was just that address. So when I got back uh, over the radio, one or two wags would say, Baker Bean, that must be smelling a bit much at the moment. And, you know, great fun. Sometimes the colonel would say, shut up, you. <laughs> and uh, we often used to treat it with fun. And also over the radio, did um, Baker bake, uh, do it? Well, we were 21 years old. I was a virgin, to be honest. I thought, well, when we got to Brussels, we went into this establishment. Very nice restaurant. A lady came up to me and said, I've been told I should take you upstairs. I thought, oh, really? And I was, you know, convinced I wasn't going to make it. I was introduced to a very nice lady. So when I got back on the radio, Baker, Baker once walking around with a big smile on his face, Baker once did it, and that sort of thing, you know. We're trying to keep it light. It was, it, I, enjoy, I did enjoy that three days off, because normally we were sleeping in the tank. It was cold and wet and noisy and proper bed, sleeping. Do you ever get a chance to, you know, sleep away from the tank or even get a chance to bathe as well? Was there anything like that? Well, we, we did have one experience during training when it was up in Norfolk. 
one night um, chaps decided to sleep under the tank by the wet ground the tank killed five so we all decided we're going to sleep outside we had a blankets that if, if we were going to be shelled we'd quickly jump inside again you know that was um, very, very difficult what I've seen lately in television you know the Germans put in their big counterattacks in the Ardennes 900,000 Germans put in the attack and Montgomery I was in the 8th Armored Brigade um, Essex Germany Sherman Rangers 4 Samson Guards and 13th Hussars to send us down this brigade to the Ardennes to give the Americans a chance. So that was about 3,000 of us to sort out the Germans, 900,000. We motored all night in our tanks down to the Ardennes and the snow was coming down. It was in December and we got down there. First thing, we were held up by Americans. You Germans in disguise, British. Don't look like limeys. I said, haven't you met limeys? No, we were from New York. So we said, we've arrived, give you a hand. And we did. It was tough. They'd never experienced any real fighting. And Montgomery said, I'm sending you one of our best brigades down to sort, sort things out for you. you know, all right for him to say that. <laughs> we got down there. It's Christmas time. And we, we, we shot in a number of Americans and helped them. And they, they were quite impressed with the way we did things. But I always remember that because it was so cold. And all we had was bully beef and make-believe tea. And the bully beef wasn't very much. It was cold. Oh, we had zoot suits on them, hoods. And, but we gave what we, help we could to the Americans and we held, held the Germans back. But uh, they did suffer quite, quite a lot down there. And they were grateful to us. So I spent what, a fortnight, three weeks down there. I used to think, what a way to spend Christmas <laughs> sitting in a tank, piece of corned beef, hard bread biscuit. And today's Christmas day everyone's shooting at us. And I thought to myself, I don't think things could be worse. And when, from that date onwards, when I used to hear at Christmas time, people say, oh, I think to myself, you should have done what I did. <laughs> that Christmas, oh, you're so miserable. Anyway. Is that what your rations tended to consist of then? Bully beef and biscuit? Was it always the same or? Well, another little story there. When we were up in Holland way, way, we stopped by the road. We were attached to the Sherwood Rangers. All of a sudden, a little jeep pulled up. Got any tin food on board? Just the usual, just a few tins of corned beef and some dried biscuits. Take it out, what, what, all of it. Why was that? We haven't had any rations for ages. There's a place 10 miles to our left with lots of starving people. We've got to get some food to them, Belson. And so it came out, these people were all starving. So we said, right, took everything out. We had a well in the tank. It was in the well, handed all. All tins of uh, corned beef and biscuits. I said, well, we've got nuts to eat now. And when they told us what, what it was for, we thought, well, thank goodness we're not experiencing that. So uh, we did our bit there. But we tried to um, save the people at Arnhem, our brigade, but we, we were told not to get involved, that the guards' armoured division, frightfully, frightfully chaps, were going to sort the Germans out up in Arnhem. Up they went. First thing that happened, five tanks in a row were knocked out. Oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. We, we knew, you know, how to manoeuvre. So we had to be behind the guards armoured division while they tried to get to Arnhem and they couldn't get there. So we always felt a bit guilty that if only we'd been allowed to lead, we would have got in, saved them. 
Oh, yes, I used to refer to them over at my radio. The Piccadilly Boys, on our left, everyone knew then it was the car's armoured. They don't go too fast, otherwise we'll lose <laughs> that sort of thing. We had some amusing times. I think one amusing time sticks in my mind. We pulled out of the line, going back for three-day rest, and one of the troops found a lovely German staff car, a Mercedes. They were like, we'll have that. So as the regiment was going past the colonel, they were in this Mercedes car, the six of them, feet up, and waving to people as they were going along. <laughs> and over the radio, uh, it was a lot of remarks about who were these chaps. We wouldn't let on, we knew who they were, but they were quite quite amusing. Oh, they were wearing top hats, which they found in the German house, and sitting back, feet up on his Mercedes. We never let on who, who they were. They never... Colonel never found out that he was, wasn't it wasn't at all amused. We were. We thought it was funny. In terms of your personal weapon and your personal kits, I I, I carried a, a um, thirty-eight Smith and Wesson revolver strapped round my leg because um, terrible things to think about. But uh, if a lot of lots of Shermans used to grow up, if you couldn't get out, nasty way to go. So you always have, you always pull your revolver out. I used it once or twice. We got to Bremen, and we noticed across the way that three American soldiers were raping a German girl. So I, I pulled, we pulled up the Sherman. I ran across, and I pulled out my thirty-eight. And I said, "Back off, otherwise I'll shoot you." Well, she's a she's a kraut. Makes no difference. Back off. You know, she was scared stiff, poor girl. And these these um, Americans were pretty rough. But um, I must have looked like the real cowboy with this. 38 pointing at them. Uh, that was quite an interesting situation. After a while, we had an accumulation. In, in the tank, we had a, a German Mauser rifle, a German machine gun. Those we picked up as we were going along, you know. And they were much better weapons. I remember just inside Germany, got into this little village, and there was this mooing. I found out where the noise was coming from. It set of a house. Cat, cow or bull, gone down the steps. Couldn't get out. I thought, oh dear. Can't leave him like that. You can't get him out. <laughs> After a little bit of a, an argument, I said, "If we shoot him, we attach pulley to him and pull it, pull him out." Huh, good idea, Bill. I had to shoot this great big cow with my thirty-eight, and then we tied some ropes to its legs and we pulled it up. What are we can do with it now? And I said, "Well, let's put it on the back of the Sherman, tied tied up." I said to Cook, "Whenever we see him, it's always moaning that he doesn't have enough food." Well, Cook, what was, was it? Two three-ton trucks. They would be, always be about two miles behind us. So I knew where he'd hang out. So let's, let's go and find a cook. Walk up outside, it's two-tonner. Got a present for you, Harry. What is it? Come outside. My gosh, he said. We want to get rid of it. Oh, I'll, I'll take care of it. Very naughty of us, but there we are. Some people lived quite well. We didn't. We uh, we had we tried to make things the light of them. Okay, once going along in our Sherman, and a German old oldish person jumped out of the hedgerow and pointed a bazooka at us. He was fiddling around with it, you know, about fifty. With the with the Sherman, the turret and the gun, you had a little button on the floor and just pushed it it went round mechanically turned quick. With the Germans I used to do it by hand. So I put my foot on it and the turret went right pointing to him. I said, If you don't drop that bazooka with a shoot you he dropped it like a flash. Get on the front. So he climbed on the front. 
he was shaking with fear. So we thought, well, what are we going to do with him? But whatever we could, we stopped. We'd try and make a cup of tea with this that sort of tea leaves. And so we stopped. We thought, is it time? Okay, it's time. Connor was not moving. So we said to the chap, get off. He got very worried. Poured his petrol in his hand. He's eat up the water. Why? We're going to make some tea. Tea? Oh. You know, you're fighting to see, why are you taking time off to make tea? <laughs> I said, oh, we do lots of things. For instance, you, Jones, you find dancing forbidden. Oh, yeah. Oh, no dancing. I said, well, when we go on our leave, we go to the Hammersmith Pally in London. Very nice dance hall. Dance? We dance? Before? <laughs> we really gave him a rough ride. I don't know how we got rid of him in the end. We, we, he, 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 Kept thinking we were going to shoot him. I don't know. I think some MPs were at a crossroads and we dropped dropped him off there. We hope you found this first part of interest. The second part will be online within the next week or two. If you know somebody, a relative or friend perhaps, who served during the Second World War and is willing to talk with us about their experience, please do feel free to get in contact. You can email us at lawrence at worldwar2nation.com or ross at worldwar2nation.com. Thanks for all your support.